You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Welcome to the show. The interview subject coming up for you is the one and only Bill Hudson. Bill, of course, is the guitarist in too many bands to mention, but here's a sample. North Tail, Circle to Circle, John Olivia's Pain, I Am Morbid. There you go. That's actually how I got an introduction to him. My awareness was raised given he joined David Vincent, one of the greatest death metal frontmen of all time in I Am Morbid. Trans-Siberian Orchestra is one of the other acts, as is former Accept frontman Udo Dirk Schneider, so he's a very busy fella. He's not in all of those bands right now, I should say. Only a few of them, but do check out his resume if you're interested. Bill's an impressive fella, and uh, I enjoy talking to him, as you will hear throughout the episode. Now, the catalyst is because ESP Guitars... USA, they've posted on their official YouTube channel a demo video with Bill playing an instrumental arrangement of Welcome to Paradise, which is the title track from the 2019 release by his band North Tail. So here he is, Mr. Bill Hudson. Hey, mate, how's things? Hey, man. What's been happening, mate? You've been, uh, you're back in Florida. Yeah. Hey, hey, should we be doing this with video? I'm on. I'm on video now, but that's only just so that you can see me, and it's no drama. On the on your show, do you show the video or not? No, no, I don't. No. No. Okay, so it's I'll just ju- I'll just do audio then, because I like I look like shit right now. <laughs> I don't look much better, believe me. I've just been out for my walk and taking the kids to school and all the rest of it. So uh, I have got my Dr Pepper yeah. here, if you can see it. You know, that's about the hardest drink that I drink. You know. But, um, mate, yeah, the United States, I mean, I know, I know, I know we're not here to talk about politics, but holy shit, you know, it's got this, you know, you've got an old man president in there these days who likes sniffing little girl's hair and you've got bullhorn hat wearing weirdos storming the capital. So did, were, you, were you tempted to stay in Brazil before, before coming back to Florida? Well, to be honest, uh, yeah, I mean, w- when I was out there, um, I went well. First of all, I just went there to to record our new singer uh, because he is from Brazil, mm. and and with the pandemic and all, I'm able to travel because I'm a naturalized citizen. Um, but he's not. So and plus, you know, we have access to a great studio there. So I just went there, and you know, initially just to do this recording, and then I was like, what the fuck? I'm here, you know. I have my family here. I'm not really, I'm not really uh, super busy except for recording the album. Mm. I'm not playing shows, and I did have a buddy of mine watching my house for me because of my animals, you know. So I'll, I yeah. just decided to stay a little bit longer. And when the, when the whole, all I think that's happening is this American, the gloss. You know, the bullshit, in other words, is just being stripped away and we can actually see the political process there for what it is, which is, it is, it's just a load of shit. It's just a bunch of billionaires and multi, multi, multi millionaires vying for the throne. And like with Kamala Harris, who got like less than 3% of the Democratic primaries to now be in a position where she will be the president, because I don't think Biden's going to last the full four years. Um, yeah. you, you can see that the people are being fucked over. They, they didn't vote for her. They tr- you got a bunch of Marampa kettle types who voted for a centrist, and they're going to get basically a quasi-Marxist fairly soon. And it's not good, man, but, I mean, it's it, as I say, it's just a stripping away of all of the bullshit and exposing this so-called democratic process for what it is. 
I think that I think that that's the issue that's happening uh, all over the world. Really, that's um, I haven't seen a whole lot of people talk about this, but uh, the, I think I think the root of all the issues that we're having is the fact that now everybody has access to all the information about everything. Mm. So, I mean, in 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 music, that's happening. You know, like like one thing that older guys cannot accept is the death of the rock star, the death of the you know the mysterious person, because now it's everyone in, on Twitter and all that, and every fan knows how it's done and all that. Well, that happens everywhere. People know how politics are. People know how full of shit uh, politicians are. People know how full of shit sports people are. Yes. You know, right. it's like, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, the other day, you know, like, of course, as a musician, I think about music more than anything, you know. Mm. Um, but like, you know, a band like Motley Crue in today's market not and i'm not only talking about the politically correct thing i'm talking about the fact that everyone has access to everything so motley crew wouldn't be very shocking today you know what i mean mm -hmm. people would like watch their youtube videos and be like oh man those costumes are ugly and you know like there's this sort of access to information for everyone at all times right now that i think the world is just not ready to handle you know, it's just everywhere, yeah. everywhere. This is happening everywhere. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah, you, you're on point because of, it's definitely been in our lifetimes. You know, I'm 42, and I grew up without social media, obviously. And I, I've we've seen its introduction, and and I think it was when Trump got in that we've seen the volume of, of information that spread that is just wrong. It's just bullshit and opinions expressed as facts and of course if you disagree with these these so-called facts then you're called either a racist or, or or a nazi or whatever insert epithet here sort of thing and it's try it's I, I grew we grew up in a time where in my family for example my mother's family most of the people are lefties right but they're not woke they're just t like typical mainstream lefties sort of thing and you, you could have a barbecue with them and they wouldn't be, politics wouldn't even come up these days I get the feeling that if you hang out with someone who has a different political opinion than you, and they can be from your deep past as well, um, that's the first thing that's brought up is that you have a different opinion to them, and why, you know, haven't you seen the light yet? This sort of thing, and it's just, it's just nuts. And and I do think, to your point, it is social media and the rate of disinformation, the spread of it, that is causing this stuff. I mean, and people just haven't been taught; they just don't know how to think critically. And I don't know whether we ever did, man. You know, I just uh, and talk about the rock star thing. I was just reading about Marilyn Manson. You know, I mean, the, the, man, any of these assholes. Oh, I don't like Manson at all. I went to his concert once, you know, 25 years ago or something. Put on a good show. It was a bit different for back then when Nirvana and Pearl Jam were busy looking at their shoes on stage. But that's the only reason why it stood out. I mean, all these assholes. You know, even I don't even know how Motley Crue haven't been cancelled, man. I mean, I'm only using the. You know, the lefties and their the way that they do things and some of these guys like Manson, if any of this shit is true that is coming out about him, he deserves man to lose everything. You know, because that that guy's <laughs> that guy's a massive drughead, alcoholic, allegedly. You know, even there's video footage of him out here in Australia on stage, you know, it looks like it looks like he's sniffing some powder and it's going everywhere on stage and he doesn't even realise it. I didn't actually see a whole lot of that. I know about the story, kind of, but I didn't, you know, I didn't see a whole lot. 
But but yeah, I mean that's what I mean, man. That shit wouldn't happen, you know. I, I mean, it's just a matter of time before Tommy Lee, before someone tries mm. to do that with Tommy Lee and com- something comes up, you know. I don't know, man. No, it's I agree. Weird. Yeah, but it's it's guys like you who don't drink. You're focused on your career. You're actually doing it. You know, I listened to a podcast with you uh, last night. Who was it with? The, some some riff people or something. I can't remember. It was on Spotify. And I don't use Spotify that often, but um, it was a, a podcast where you were talking about you've used COVID to actually become better on the guitar. And I thought if anybody was going to use COVID to their advantage, mate, it was you. Judging by the way oh, you you know you've approached your career to date, man, and all these all these other fucking rock star types who don't understand that, mate, if you put in the hard work, you get the just rewards, man. So, yeah, I mean, just just on that alone, man, congratulations for taking it so, you know, your craft so seriously and for avoiding the pitfalls, as we say, like, you know, not that, not that I think you would get involved in any of the shit that Manson is, but even the drinking game and all the rest of it, it's just not, not part of who you are, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, man. Um, uh, you know, I had my drinking times. I was a really serious alcoholic for 10 years and completely out of control for three. You know, like completely out of control, meaning my life was in, was ruined mm. and I had no choice but to stop drinking. That was in 2012 uh, when I stopped. You know, mm. I stopped in 2012 and I haven't had a drop since. And yeah, I mean, I I also... With being sober, uh, I uh, there was also an awareness that I wasn't the best guitar player in the world, which because that's kind of what I thought at the time, you know. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I was always like, oh, I'm so good, I don't even, you know, I don't even have to practice and all that. So with sobriety, the the, the awareness that I was really bad at what I do also came, you know. I was like, oh, I'm just good at bullshitting people, and and I decided to to you know just become good you know just just become as good as i used to tell people i was and and i and i did see improvement you know because i always especially people my age man i hear that i hear a lot of oh you know i haven't really practiced guitar i haven't practiced since 98 i hear shit like that and, mm. and i used to say stuff like that too and then and then i you know, I went back to practicing and I realized, well, I'm, I'm, more, I'm more mature now. I'm actually practicing, you know, like there were several different vices that I used to have from from when I was young. Things about my picking, things about the way I finger notes and stuff that I, I just kept blowing off. You know, I was like, whatever, whatever. Nobody will ever notice this. And I started focusing on those little things. And I'm a different kind of player now. And I'm sitting, honestly, like the reason I was uh, I was a little late here is because I've been recording the solos for my new album, my cool. band Northdale. Mm. And I mean, it's night and day. The, the difference between uh, how I play now versus how I played back then. Like, I, I'm doing things at higher tempos, at tempos that I didn't think I could do before. You know, dude, I have, I am a very anxious person. I, I, I with food, with weed, with, with alcohol back when I drank, whatever it is, I always want to do a lot of, you know what I mean? So, I realizing that I kind of I kind of I kind of did that to guitar I guess I guess it's a good way to put it so so it's 
it, it didn't really feel like something I had to be disciplined about. It doesn't. Like yeah. right now, I'm still doing it, you know. It doesn't really feel like I have to be disciplined about it. It doesn't feel like work. It, it, I, there's nothing I would rather be doing. So I wouldn't rather be hanging out with anyone. I like being home playing guitar and writing mm. music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So even, even like, because, okay, uh, most most of my year I spend doing shows you know being on tour and then being on the pandemic i started asking myself i'm like okay so what's so different because if i was out doing a tour what would i do during the day nothing i would fuck around you know what i mean fucking Mm -hmm. go hang out with someone i know from town or like or like uh you know maybe i'll take some guitar students maybe i'll do a guitar clinic but but for the for the most uh, for the most part during the day, there's not much that I'm doing, you know. So I'm like, the pandemic hasn't really changed shit, you know what I mean? Okay. Yep. It's just that I'm not traveling and playing an hour a night. So, you know, that that's kind of a waste of my day. I need to start doing better things with it, you know. <laughs> it, it, the the other thing uh, too, mate, with the pandemic, this is the most obvious thing. Uh, and a musician like you, I assume that you make most of your income from touring and actually being up on stage. So well, the past the past three or four years, all of it. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the problem, mate, with this bloody vaccine, which hasn't been scientifically tested, by the way. I don't know whether it's going to work. I mean, if it hasn't been scientifically tested, which has to happen over sometimes seven to fifteen years, that's normally the gestation period for a vaccine. So we don't know how effective as the general populace this thing is going to actually be. What I'm saying effectively is that the last. I, was, I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, sorry, so I can't cite the source, but someone was saying that we're probably going to be in these sort of on and off lockdowns for the next five years, which means no concerts, bars can't open, this sort of thing, mate. So, you know, if you weren't able to play in the immediate future, how do you think you'd procure an income? Well, right now I'm, I went back to teaching guitar uh, and I'm, I'm doing it pretty much full time. Um, or as full as I can get my schedule, you know, because mm. also everyone else is doing the same thing. But um, that's been my main thing. I have uh, I have my my uh, my investments too. Um, oh, nice. yep. I'm, I'm I'm sort of active in the stock in the stock market, but not. I mean, I wouldn't call that my income. It's just extra money. Yeah um so basically yeah but yeah basically for the last year i taught guitar and uh you know i got i got a grant like uh for musicians here in the states but it was nice. that was a joke all oh, right really and not, not much yeah. yeah that wasn't very much it might be it might have been a thousand dollars and mm. but that you know that's been the thing that's been the and uh for the i mean we do have an I Am Morbid tour coming up, mm-hmm. as well as a tour for my own band, Northdale. Uh, I don't know that they're going to happen, but but assuming that they do, then I have about 40 shows booked for this year already. Nice. Which is a great way to come back, you know. Mm. But who knows if that's going to happen. Yeah, we just don't know. There's just no, you can't bank on anything at the moment. And that's that's the issue. But at least you've got 
a very strong reputation as a world-class guitarist and if you do put your name out there for lessons you're gonna you're gonna get some responses that way you know so at least you i mean for me you know i'm a musician too and i haven't played since january of last year there's just no bars open that are taking musicians like there's no bands playing in bars uh yeah i well see here in florida here in florida we are having we do have bands playing bars and stuff like that and it's Mm. crazy one of my friends one of my friends is playing uh God, I don't know, six times a week, five, six times a week. Oh, shit. He plays with a, yeah, he plays with a cover band five or six times a week. Like, nothing's happening. I'm like, dude, you do, are you trying to get sick? And, you know, I guess he doesn't really believe the virus like a lot of people here. Yeah, well, the virus, yeah. the virus is real. It's just whether or not the lockdowns work because they're economically catastrophic. That's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Obviously, but uh, but but at the same time, you know, like these people are getting together and and you know all all all, all on top of each other around here in Florida. It's mm. like nothing is happening, and you know we have this this these numbers. I don't know, man. Me, I'm, since I, since I can't play shows, I just hide from everyone at home. <laughs> <laughs> I just play safe. Are you noticing there's been a bit of an, I wouldn't say an influx, but have you noticed that there's been some people from other states move into Florida? Because I'm here that I'm hearing that's happening. You know, they're from coming from California and New York mainly, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of people coming out here. There's people going to Texas a lot. That's a big destination right now. Hmm. Um, I hear South Carolina, just cheaper places, you know. Um but I mean, it's 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 rather funny to me because, like, I mean, <laughs> it had to end somehow. You know what I mean? I left California in 2016, and and it was super expensive to live there then, and it's a lot worse now. Like, at some point, people needed to get the fuck up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's happening in New York too, though. No, New York is fucked for what I know. I don't know if. I haven't been there, but I just keep hearing that New York is completely fucked, even from people that live there, you know. Well, it's a fact that the hospitality businesses, a lot of them can't open. Um, and yeah. when, when when people can't go and have a coffee somewhere and just sit down and feel human, man, that's a bad thing, man. That's not good. I don't, I don't know. I'm not saying I have the solutions here, but I know people live on top. I've been to Manhattan, so... I mean, it's um, it's like like twenty Sydney's rolled into one, you know, in terms of the size of the bloody place. Um, yeah. But, but it, people living on top of each other, I know they've got to be careful there, but there's got to be other options so as though people can can sort of see their life. As I say, if the pandemic lasts beyond the next five years or so, and you've got a job in hospitality, yeah. how the hell are you going to work? Like, if you wait tables, right? And the, you can't wait tables because restaurants aren't open. How the hell do you find a job? What do you do? Go and learn how to code? You know, that's the joke online <laughs> I notice these days, you know, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, I do. there's a, you know, talking about the stock market, there's quite a few people starting to dabble on it, which is terrible because, because it's not, you know, like 90% of people lose money on doing that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't know, man. I, we're fucked. Is what I, I just keep saying that that we're fucked. 
<laughs> for, for the foreseeable future. But look, I'll switch gears and I'll, and I'll ask you about North Tail because I know you're working with Dennis Ward, who's also a musician. And I figured for someone like yourself, you'd have to work with someone who had some intimate technical understanding of what, what they're doing, not just some professional understanding of what you guys are doing. But uh, I know he's worked with Gus G and I've had a chat to Gus. who's, a, who's He reminds me of you, mate, to be honest. He's a tremendous guy, you know, but um, Dennis Ward, mate, did you guys know each other beforehand? Can you tell me how you actually got the introduction to him? Yeah, absolutely. So Dennis, first of all, I've been a fan of his work for a long time because Dennis has produced some of uh, some of the the top power metal albums of the like 90s and early 2000s. Um, he also was uh, he's a terrific composer and and uh, a musician in the band Pinker in '69, which I really really was a fan of as a kid. And then uh, to top it all off. Basically, everything that Michael Kiske did outside of Halloween when he wasn't in the band, Dennis did it. You know, he either was in the band or produced. So it's almost like Dennis is the guy that, like, he, he, he knows what exactly I'm trying to do. You know, he's, he has worked with the bands that we're trying to be like. So, so that was... That was uh, the thinking, but but for this album, we 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 actually were gonna self-produce again. You know, we were we were happy with the result on the first album, which was completely self-produced, uh, and we were really stupid for being happy because now 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 that I hear the difference, I'm like, oh wow, I should yeah. have used the producer on the first one. But anyway, uh, um, we weren't planning on doing it until. I, I spoke to uh, my press agent in Brazil. He asked me who was going to produce the album. I said I was. And he's like, well, have you thought of Dennis Ward? And now it's funny you mentioned Gus G because that's how I met Dennis. Uh, I, I met uh-huh. him uh, earlier in, was it 2019? I think it was 2019 and NAMM. Maybe it was 2018, 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Dennis was in Los Angeles for NAM with uh, to uh, play with Gus, and I am good friends with Gus. And I was after the show, we went out to dinner or whatever, and I met Dennis like backstage. And and the day before, we met like at NAM, just at the bar, you know, like just fucking around. At first, I didn't even recognize him because he had short hair. And then, uh, then, then the next day, I saw him on stage with Gus. And I'm like, oh shit, that was Dennis Ward. Okay, mm-hmm. so I kind of met him like that. And but, but this was I don't know six months before, seven months before uh, I my my press guy ever brought up his name. You know, he's like he thought he he's like, why don't you contact Dennis Ward? I'm like, you know, now that you mention, I met him earlier this year, so why not? You know. Mm-hmm. And I showed him a Facebook message. I sent him the demos. At that point, I had all the songs already and demoed and all that. And he 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 really liked it. And he's like, "Dude, let's do it," you know. And and the thing too is, um, this is only I think the second or third time that he's doing this. But we're doing online production, you know. Mm-hmm. He literally sits there on FaceTime using this thing called the. Uh, 
what's the name of it? Audio Movers, okay. where he hears it out out in his studio uh, in high quality, as if he was sitting with us, you know. Mm-hmm. So he produces us remotely. That's one of the most badass things I've ever seen. And I bet that is the future of production, by the way. Great. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, that's how it happened. I met him through Gus, and then he was suggested. He liked it. And then here we are, man. He's making a ridiculous difference. Like, it, it, it's 200% better because of him. I can't even explain how big of a of an impact he's had on this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. What about you? You're still with Nuclear Blast, are you? So this new album is going to come out through then? Yeah, Nuclear Blast. Yeah. We, 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 we've we been with them since 2018, I want to say. 20, 2018. And mm-hmm. yeah, well, they're doing a great job and we're looking forward to the new album with them. From from what I hear, Marcus contacts a band when he wants to sign them, as opposed to I mean, God knows how many demos and pleas via social media he must get for bands to be signed to the label. But can you can you tell me about how you met Marcus and the process of you know becoming a Nuclear Blast or joining that stable? First of all, Marcus didn't sign us. He works with us right now. He's our day to day guy. But mm. Yap is actually signed us. Okay. And uh, the way it happened was when we started the band. Well, first of all, when we started the band, we we didn't really want to have a label. We were, we were, I mean, we we would if it was Nuclear Blast. That's kind of how we were thinking. You know, if it's Nuclear Blast, if it's something to that effect, yeah, we'll sign. But otherwise, we're just going to do it all on our own, which was a terrible thing, thing to think about doing. I'm glad we didn't. But, but um, we, uh, our old singer Christian, he he had he was on Nuclear Blast with his old band Twilight Force, and he had the contact with Marcus, and he mentioned Marcus might have been interested in us, and we talked, but but that never went anywhere. One day, I just I myself sent an email to Yap. Just, you know, kind of checking in, being like, hey, man, how's it going? It's been a while. Uh, and I was like, hey, uh, so I have this new project. We're going to do an EP. We're going to release an EP. And I'd love to show you, you know, what do you think of that? To see what you think of that. And he loved it. You know, it, it was basically that. I basically submitted and he liked it. And the, and we, we started negotiating. Then at that point, Marcus came in and all that. But Yap, Yap was the, the, the guy that actually signed us. Um, now, I don't know how he worked with other bands, honestly. Mm. You know, I, with, with us, we kind of cheated our way in because we already knew them, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of that. But like, it makes sense because you need I, – I don't think – even so-called professional musicians know what it takes to be a professional musician. Now, I'm not saying I am either because I'm not. I'm just a bar guy. You know, I've got my music man basses here and my Galleon Kruger amp. I put it into the back of my Jeep and I turn up to a club and I play, that sort of thing. But when, when you're doing what you do, you need to have pretty much the whole thing sorted and you pretty much just give, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. This is my perception of it. You more or less give the finished product to the label and they help market you and they've got the connections and the contacts and the, and the, the whole thing to kind of make that side of things happen. So if you, if you were going to give advice, and I'm sure you cop this question a lot, 
if you were going to give advice to an unsigned artist, like a, a student of yours who's, say, 24 years of age and absolutely has it in their head that there's no other outcome for them except for making it as a professional musician just like you have, what would you say to them? Oh, man. Well, it's changing all the time, you know what I mean? Like, the what, what worked 10 years ago doesn't work right now anymore. Mm-hmm. So... So I would say, but, but the one thing that to me stays consistent in any area is uh, always try to operate at 100% of productivity, you know. So whatever that means to you. So if you're a guitar player, well, you can be a really good player, but you can also look really good. Or you can also not care what you look like. But then the next guy that's good, but he also looks good, then that guy is going to take the gig from you, you know. Because his because his uh, company is operating uh, uh, is running harder than yours, you know. I mean, he's got. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm a really good guitar player, and that guy is a really good guitar player, but he also looks good and he can sing, mm. you know what I mean? So, so to stay competitive, you gotta know your shit. You gotta be also like, th- this is new. Okay, now this is this is something that like ten years ago I wouldn't say, but now I, now I do. I would really strongly suggest that any musician becomes really familiar with music theory, because once you yeah. know music theory, you real, you realize that it's not really theory; it's just naming things. You know what I mean? But it's really good to know what you're playing, simply because nowadays everyone does. You know, like when I was fuck when I was twenty. If you went to music college, those are bragging rights. You know what I mean? You could say that. You could say, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, stu- I'm a, you know, uh, studied musician. I'm a trained musician. I went to music college." Um, nowadays, every kid goes to music college, and if they don't, they just Google it. You know? Yeah. So the the the, the competition is getting younger. Any 15 year old right now can shred anyone. Anyone, mm-hmm. any 15-year-old, you give him a guitar, he'll play some English for you. So the you know the, the competition is getting younger, smarter, and better looking. You know what I mean? <laughs> so 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 it, it, it's it's that. You know what I mean? Well, see, I always use the long hair as an example because because I I don't know that I would have long hair if I wasn't a professional musician. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's the the look I would choose for me. But with long hair, I'll get a job with a band that doesn't want a guy with short hair. And and if there's a gig that, that doesn't want someone with long hair, I never heard of that. You know, in any style, even pop or jazz, you can just put your hair in a ponytail, you know. So whereas there's metal bands, like older metal bands, where the first requirement is long hair. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... So that's an example. That's an example, of course, of what I'm talking about. The other one is being in shape. You know, yeah, it's kind of shallow to think like that. But yeah, you you know, if you're a little bit chubby, if you if you don't, you know, if you if your clothes don't really look that good on you and you play really good, the other guy that's in shape and also plays really good, well, he's gonna get the gig. Mm. You know, so you you always gonna be the guy getting the gig. That's how I see it. Yeah, sage words and and great advice for people out there, I think. Um, There's this idea, and Joe Rogan was talking about that when, I don't know what women's magazine it was, but they had these 
plus-size women, that's the politically correct way of describing it, I think, isn't it, um, on the front cover and they're trying to normalise basically obesity. But that's the way I see it, my opinion. Yep, and, I saw that too. Uh, yeah, and it's wrong to me because having your health as someone, I mean, I've, I've lived with something uh, called colitis, which is similar to Crohn's disease. I get by in the day-to-day. I'm not saying I'll have a tough life or anything like that. I certainly don't. But it gives me a bit of a glimpse into what not having your health would probably feel like. And I can tell you, it's fucking shit. Like, if you've got your health, I think you you have an obligation to yourself and to your family. And I've got kids, so that's how it comes full circle for me. To be the best, be the best person you can be, which means being switched on and being available for them. And, and you can't be that way if and, – and it's – I mean, God, you know, I haven't done anywhere near the amount of uh, – gigs that you've done or what have you but yeah we, we turn up to gigs and we have a few beers and then we go home that sort of thing and but if you're doing it that often and if you're trying to make it you got to think those beers are going to put on the calories and it's also going to dull your senses as well which might lead to other harder things a bit later on um and, and, and i know that happens i only have i'm not going to point to any specific examples but you look at some of these legacy acts and a lot of these guys they're, they're, they're out of shape man just because they're over 50 doesn't mean they don't have a, like, look at George Lynch, for example. Look how fit he is. He's probably fitter now than what he was when he was in his 30s. Um, Same with Phil Collins from Def Leppard. Oh, Phil's fantastic, isn't he? Yeah, he's a great yeah. guy too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, yeah, look at him, man. I mean, he he's he, he seriously looks like he's 19 or something. Like, yeah. he's, he's ridiculous, um, Phil, but... I think I asked him when I spoke to him. I, th- I don't know whether I asked him or whether I read it in his book anyway, but he's just fastidious in his in his preparation. But, but mate, so are you. So, I mean, you've got the six-pack and the muscles and, and stuff, and I think people sort of think but that I that's... But I do now, you know what I mean? I was really, really out of shape for most of my life. But I always thought that. I was always like, man, I need to get in shape because that's how you got to get gigs, you know? I just couldn't for mm. the longest time because I was a fat, drunken idiot. <laughs> but, yeah. but but once I was able to lose weight, things changed. You know, it just he just we just proved me that. That's why that's a good advice. But then again, you know, if you just look great, but then you play like shit, well, that doesn't help either. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's it's why I always package, say yeah. you gotta you gotta be the whole package. You gotta have mm. everything. Just something too. I read on your social media you posted not long ago. You actually it might have been around New Year's, but. You did, a, you did a great post, I thought, where you said to people, wake up, you silly alcoholic fucks. Um, you know, get ready. You know, <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that, that one? That sounds like something yeah. I would say, yeah. <laughs> something like that. You put a picture of some guy who couldn't get out of bed or what have you, and you said, time to stop oh, drinking. Oh, yeah, like, hey, I need a wake-up uh, wake call. Yeah, you're an Spot alcoholic on. piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. But I think um, it was that post or it was another one, and you, you said, and I'm, and I'm doing this not verbatim, I'm just quoting here. Um, what I think you said, but it was along the lines of when you gave up alcohol and you started focusing on the things you've just mentioned, your your rise to where you are now started not even six months after that. It happened that quickly. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. See uh, that that post about the guitar technique and all, mm. man. That is very pronounced. That that is the, and, and I listened to like my first album. Ever. It's from 2006. It's from a band called Salador. Mm-hmm. And I thought of myself as a really, really good guitarist back in, back in those days. You know what I mean? And I listen to that now and oh my God, it's just, it's horrible. It's, it's like, it's really sloppy. 
like compared to what I play like now. You know what I mean? And I mean, it it was. And honestly, it wasn't just me. I see guitar players do that all the time when they play scales and arpeggios or whatever, and they stick to those patterns, like repeating the same three notes or whatever. But the picking isn't there. They're just basically moving both hands really fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a lot of, oh man, listening to this album, there's a lot of that. I'm like, wow, when I play that same shit right now, it's so much more pronounced. The picking is so much better. You know, um, mm-hmm. honestly, that awareness started with 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 the sobriety for sure, for sure. But you're you're right. You, I can't remember what you said exactly, but it was along the lines of as, as soon as you basically made the decision to turn your life around and you gave up alcohol and New Year's Eve 2011, that was the last time going into 2012. It, it all just happened for you so quickly. So it was like a, a light switch got flicked on. And your life just started from that moment. And and I think that would be true for a lot of people. Um, and, and the reason I'm talking about this, I'll just give you some context, is because I don't know a lot of people personally. God knows I don't get out anymore these days. I mainly speak to people like this. But I think a lot of people have fallen into the trap of drinking too much alcohol and smoking too much weed and eating too many frozen pizzas and this sort of shit, going to McDonald's through the pandemic. <laughs> and we, we are going to come out of this at some point. And you don't want this thing to be the Achilles heel that's you know, this, however long it takes. There's so many gifted guitar guitarists out there that are coming through in the next generation. I just want them to sort of, whether or not they listen to this conversation or otherwise, but the energy of the conversation, put it out there into the universe, be a bit ethereal for a moment or will. But for them to hear that you, you actually can't drink, you, you, can't, you can't fuck around, excuse my language, you just can't do it. If you've got a goal and you want to go after it, you've literally got to follow your example. Otherwise, it probably won't happen. That's true. That's very true. You know, and I, I liked what you said too, because I remember the name of the podcast that I listened to last night as I was cutting up some veggies for the kids, but it was um, the Riff Hard podcast. And uh, I think they did a, a oh, reason. Oh, yeah, it's IELTS podcast. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, like they asked some intelligent questions and, and I thought you answered them really well. So that's, but I remembered you did another post where you said, and I'm quoting here verbatim, I, this is you, you type this. I often disappoint people when they realize I don't like talking about musical gear. It's getting sufficient, significantly harder to pretend. But you did such a great job on that podcast. So you can talk about it. You just, there's just not the desire anymore because you're sort of going to a, another level, do you think? Well, no. What, what I meant on the post was specifically um, like a party or like, well, so I had just been at a party with a, of a, uh, when I wrote that post, which was only a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. I went to a birthday party of a, okay, I won't mention names, but a friend <laughs> of mine who's in a pretty big death metal band here in Florida. And I went to his birthday and there was a couple of musicians there. And one of these musicians started trying to talk to me about Ralph. Now, okay. Ralph, okay, for, for those listening, Ralph Santala, he was a guitar player. That that guy was my best friend in the world, mm-hmm. and he passed away a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like, I'm not the biggest fan of talking about him, but I will. You know, I don't mind talking about him. But then 
but then this guy starts t- telling, talking to me about specific solos that he did and songs, and I don't fucking know everything that he did. I'm just friends with him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like me and Ralph never talked about guitar. He was my buddy, and and then this guy's like, dude, you know he's soloing blah 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 song. Yeah, that's cool, man. You know on that other song where he does the harmonic and 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 he does the arpeggio. And I have no idea what this guy's talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, but but I'm Ralph's friend. You know, everyone knows that. So everyone yeah. talks about about Ralph to to me. And at one point, I'm like, yeah, cool, man, cool. And then and then this guy, I mean, five minutes later, he calls me out. He's like, hey, man, why do you keep blowing me off when I talk about Ralph? Like he straight up told me that, asked me that to my face. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, no, dude. You know, it, it's two things. First of all, man, Ralph. You know, like I don't like. I would rather not keep talking about Ralph. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, I don't give a fuck about his work, about his solos and shit. It's not that I don't give a fuck about his work. Of course, I give a fuck about his work. But but that's not why we were friends. You know, I didn't sit and listen to Millennium all day with Ralph. We were <laughs> listening to fucking hip hop. And bullshitting around and, and, and yelling at chicks, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. And, and uh, you know, on my day to day life, I'm that kind of guy, and and I tend to like become closer with people like that. That's why Ralph was such a good friend, you know. Like we, I mean, we never talked about guitar or music or anything. It was really rare, you know. Uh, we we did when it was something like, hey man, there's a project, in, or hey man, there's a thing here that we can do, or something like that. But other than that, no, man. We were eating fucking, eating burritos and smoking pot. I don't know. So, <laughs> anyway, so, but but like this fact that happens like very often, and people, and, and I mean, of course, I'm a musician. I can talk about music, mm. but I would rather not. You know, especially if I'm meeting you at some party and we're just hanging out. I don't want to talk oh, about yeah. guitar players or or bands or whatever. I want to talk about anything but that. You know, then, of course, when we're working, when we're doing an interview, that's different. I don't know. I'm just maybe maybe I'm weird like that, man. But, you know, no, and that's it sucks so too because yeah. be, because like I have I have friends. I have a circle of friends outside of music, you know, like people that have nothing to do with metal or whatever. And, and it's cool. But then when I hang out with those friends too much, I start missing the metal thing, the musician thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I hang out with a bunch of long hair dudes and all they want to talk about is fucking amplifiers and, and, and bands, you know. <laughs> I like that like medium yeah. sometimes. Yeah, no, I'm feeling it. I, I know I often say um, I do a lot of I've done a lot of filling work, you know, we're playing covers. So you just know the song and you turn up and play it in the band and you often don't even know you the names of the people you're playing on stage next to. Um, but uh, I always used to judge the band on whether or not we were talking about football scores and the pretty women in the venue as opposed to, yeah. which is which is what I want to talk about, as opposed to what whether or not I could hear this or that or what, you know, questions about the, because I use Music Man basses, why don't I use this other bass, like a P bass instead of the Music Man? And, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not, I can't talk yeah. to these people. Like, just get get your beer, sit down, and we'll talk about the football, the rugby league, or whatever is on. We'll talk about that, um, but not yeah. not about like gear and cables and string gauges, and because and those bands, I've got to be honest, man. Those bands, when I did turn up and do some of them, man, 
it's funny you mentioned that. You got you mentioned you, you dealt with what I call a punisher. So this guy's calling you out. You're saying about you know blowing him off for, or his perspective, of course, is that you went, didn't want to talk about Ralph and fuck him. You don't have to tell him your reasons for or otherwise, you know. And that's always been my view with some of these other guys too. And I'd do that too. I'd go look. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just retreating to my phone. And I'd find out down the line that I was rude or something. Oh, dude. <laughs> you know, and so you're probably an introvert like I am. I am an introvert. I'm definitely an introvert. This is unusual for me to be. The podcast is a way for me to effectively um, – look, I love talking to musicians. I truly do because it's it's in my heart, this stuff. It truly, it's, it's what I think I've been put here to do. But um, outside of that, man, I, I'm just playing with the kids, man. I'm just taking them for bike rides and – playing golf and yeah. you know this sort of stuff i'm i'm not doing much else i'm all reading reading um books you know what i'm saying it's it's a it's a few you know what i mean you're, you're you know you're in your late 30s man you get to about 35 man and you just get tired you know and yeah you just get fed up with it to be honest with you and you just retreat into your own world and you know man the whole music and matter world at the end of the day is very taxing you know what I mean? Like, mm. like everything, everything is, is is so like. You need to keep a network, and you need to be nice to this person, that person, and you need to oh, talk yeah. to the other person. Like, it, it's just that when it becomes your reality, when it becomes your reality, you don't realize. But you need to step out and be like, okay, fuck all this. Sometimes you know. And, and that's that's you know like you like you go play golf with your kids or whatever because the bands will be there when you come back you know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I just find look, I I've got to tell you, mate, I I hardly know anybody who's into metal, and I know even fewer people that are musicians. All of my people around me are just either family, which is ninety percent of it, or um, the acquaintances from my old workplace. Um, and I'm not, yeah. I don't feel lonely or anything like that. I'm not saying, I'm just, I'm just saying it's, it's a small compact circle and, and it's probably better off that way. I mean, I'm the guy when a cafe is full, I'm sitting in the corner by myself re- reading the New Yorker or something. Cause I still, I know it's a bit of a lefty rag, but I do like reading that awesome, awesome Australian literature. I do like a lot of Australian literature too, from the turn of last century. Um, I got taught a lot of that at university and it sort of stayed with me, but you, I just find it increasing my knowledge base and making myself a bit more of an interesting person say in these situations here to talk with does that make sense like i listen to some of these podcasts and they're very mechanical or the person's got no idea and they're laughing constantly but it's a nervous laughter it's not a genuine laughter i've i've, I've tried to avoid that since day one um and <laughs> yeah i've always tried to avoid that and um like i remember our last conversation i was sitting in a um I was sitting outside at university and it was really good to talk to you the last time actually because I'd long admired the work you'd done. And I think that's the that's what I'm so grateful for is that I get to do what I'm doing here and it gives me so much spiritual fulfilment to talk to musicians like you who are doing it, something that I could never do. It was never a, a, just it's not in me to do it. But I can sort of, I like talking to you because I know that you're, you, you're doing it and hearing the stories firsthand. And I think that's the reason why I've transitioned into writing the books that I've just shared with you before that I'm writing. Yeah. It's all good fun. That's cool, man. That's cool. Awesome, mate. Well, look, um, thanks for the chat. It's been awesome, um, as always. And, uh, yeah, we'll stay in touch. And, uh, look, good luck with everything, mate, until we next catch up. Awesome. Thank you very much, my friend. Have a great new year. No worries, mate. You too. Okay, talk again. Take care. All right. Bye.
You are listening to the Scars and Guitars, I should say you have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, thanks for tuning in. You just heard from the one and only Bill Hudson, the guitarist in far too many bands to mention, but two of them are Northtail and I Am Morbid. Thanks for listening. <laughs>